This is Hawkside Guns Podcast. What's up, y'all? It is another edition of Hawkside Guns. We uh, we took a little bit break. A lot of stuff has happened since, at least in my world, since we did our last cast. I'm going to do this on all the casts I do, just so everybody knows what's going on. Just a quick version is New Year's Eve. My uh, other half had an aneurysm followed by a stroke. She's okay. She has full cognition and all that kind of stuff and uh, is recovering and and all that kind of thing but um my world turned upside down for a little while and uh i was operating on very little sleep and a lot of drama and a lot of stress and all that for a while she's doing great uh, at least for a aneurysm slash stroke victim uh she won't be 100 percent for quite some time but she's up and around and and awake and complaining like she always has <laughs> Half her head shaved. In fact, the best analogy I can give you is she looks like Gallagher now. Oh, God. <laughs> they, shaved, they shaved a bunch of her head to get in there and do some stuff. So uh, she's I, I was waiting for you to do the Natalie Dormer from uh, Hunger Games. Oh, man, I'm hoping it it's like out. that. I was like, man, that's, she is so hot. I kept showing her pictures of Natalie Dormer. I'm like, you could do this. You could do this. Just wait till it grows back a little. You could do this. You know, she's my favorite. If I mentioned she's my favorite, she was un, uh, unsympathetic. <laughs> Can't imagine why. I don't know. It's it's like she had other stuff on her mind. Uh, but she's had two brain surgeries in the meantime. And um, I just, uh, you know, she's she's resting and, and all that. And uh, between stuff, I figured I would think about something else. So, hence, podcast. And uh, thank you for, for everyone's understanding and, and well wishes and, and all that. Uh, I think there's even a GoFundMe somewhere for the bills that are going to hit at some point, and I'm going to be a poor, poor man. But there's uh, there's a lot going on with that. But on another note, when I wanted to think about something else, uh, Jake kindly volunteered to do a podcast with me because he's like, look, if you want your brain to go in a different gear, we can do some stuff. So uh, I went and looked. And I, I, I told you guys I had started a email address for the Gunscast, hawksideguns at gmail.com. And as it turns out, we have three emails uh, since the last time we did our podcast. So I thought maybe what we do here is do a small letters cast and go through the emails. I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, here in 2023, our first podcast is a, is a letters podcast, which is excellent. Uh, so the first uh, email we got, and thank you guys for sending in emails. The first one we got was from Kevin. And uh, Kevin says, hey, guys, a fairly new listener, but I've been really enjoying the podcast. Thank you, sir. Really been enjoying the stories and info on shotguns. Yes. As a new shotgun owner, a Mossberg 940JM. Which I, makes me jealous. <laughs> I just wanted to ask thoughts on competition shooting and some of the unique crazy guns that come from that category. Keep doing what you're doing, Kevin. Well, I, 
I think the one that he's got is the 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 first one that the any of the companies were really smart enough to just turn around and look at their competition shooters and say, "Design a gun, we'll build it." Man, I, it, it really is, and and they went to the the Michelin. I was going to say because I remember seeing the two of them interviewed at Shot Show when that thing came out, and everybody was kind of like, "You did what?" Oh, I can't believe we never thought of that before. Well, and and that was really what what came out of the 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 940 JM. When you talk competition guns, and, and I'm gonna make an assumption here, just a quick one, that he's talking. Kevin here is talking about three gun competitions, which is really what the 940 was invented for. If you guys are not familiar with three gun competitions, you can look them up. They're really cool. Uh, they use pistol, rifle, and shotguns, and there's the initial courses and, and targets that you go through, and you, you kind of switch guns, and you, there's reloading, and there's, there's hitting targets and stuff. And I think John Wick training. Yeah, and it's really, which I think he trained with some of the Michelics uh, very briefly uh, for those movies as well. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot. Well, there's not really a whole lot better when it comes to that to train with. I mean, I, I don't know about him. I know, I don't know his specific stats because, uh, surprise, surprise, I was following the uh, cute younger one. Um, Lena, yeah. <laughs> but I know she's been like world champion for years. I yeah. think there was like one year that she came in second and everybody was stunned. She's kind of like the Michael Jordan of this kind of thing. Well, and her father is also um, a living legend. So it was it was of no surprise that they went to them and said, "What?" Because there's plenty, and I mean plenty, of pistol makers out uh, out there who make competition and competition ready pistols that are specifically designed for these competitions, right? There's, you know, the Terran Tacticals and, and all the all the, the Wilson Combats and, and all the ones that are, are designed for those kinds of events. Pistols, we got you taken care of. Rifles, oh my gosh. Uh, just, just unbelievable customizations of AR platforms and, and other platforms that, that do the jobs better than anything. Uh, but there was very little in the way of actual, honest-to-God, manufacturer-designed three-gun competition uh, presentations. Well, they were kind of leaving them in the same fashion form of the um, the AR platforms. One of the reasons why, even though it's not part of the rules that you have to use an AR, why just about everybody does is because you can customize the ever-loving hell of an AR into just about anything that makes you happy. However you like your trigger, there's a trigger drop-in for it. Uh, you know, how, whatever, t- however you like your grips, there's everything's, it's all there. Yeah. Um, but even though they were thinking that, okay, you can just do that with your shotgun as well, that infrastructure wasn't there. You were actually, if you were doing it, you needed a gunsmith. No, and that's that's 100% true. Uh, and, you know, and a lot of the pistols uh, would were evolving that way anyway. Where you get some of these these uh, custom makers, you know, your uh, well, if you if you notice, most of that stuff is based on a on a Glock frame, and that's what they were doing. Is was very much like people were taking an AR and and doing it. They were taking the most easily modified handgun on the face of the earth, the Glock 19 or Glock 17. Or well, okay, the Glock. I was about to start just rambling off numbers, but um, and just 
modifying the hell out of it and then suddenly turned around and went, you know, maybe other people would buy these too. Right. And and let's let's work on that. And oh, okay, here's the flared magwell and the custom porting and the and the easy slide and the extra, you know, uh, you know, the extra you know you'll grip- enjoy the custom porting. <laughs> custom porting. There's there's all these in the extra like aggressive uh uh slide detents and, and all all in front slide detents and, and all those things that they use to to make the gun faster, easier to control and handle and load and and, and uh, all of those things, you know, better triggers and everything. Those were all done, being done to pistols. Those were all being done to rifles. Well, the shotguns, nah, the shotguns get thrown in a barrel. <laughs> you know, the shotguns are it's a little bit different animal. Because what you need in a shotgun is a little bit different, and they're, quite honestly, less finicky than an AR platform or a pistol. Um, And reloading them, in the shotguns, what you're dealing with is time. And you're dealing with that on everything, and everything takes time. I mean, the ARs and the pistols and stuff, but you can get those down pretty good. It's actually very difficult to load a shotgun. Well, yeah, because when you're dealing with a pistol or an AR, it's uh, a push of button, a push of a button, and a flick of a wrist. Right. Whereas with the, because um, you're taking a, a you know multi-round platform, be it a you know magazine or however you want to call it, a clip. Ooh, watch people lose their minds. Um, <laughs> whereas with a shotgun, you're loading each individual shell. Yeah. And, and you can watch the people have come up with techniques on how to get several shells in at once. Well, it's Lena cool. Lena Mishlik developed the quad load. She she invented it. She was the first one to use it successfully, and she teaches it in classes and in you know conventions and stuff that she does, and and where she takes four rounds in her hand and loads them in less than a second. Now. I don't know if anyone's ever tried it. If you've never tried it, go ahead and get your favorite shotgun. I don't care what it is. And you try and quad load that sucker. Okay? It is undeniably difficult. <laughs> okay? I've, I've tried it. I, I can't even dual load correctly. Okay? I can do it, but I can actually do it one at a time as fast as I can dual load because I always get stuck. Uh, she is very, very dexterous and she can work her shotgun faster than almost anyone else in the world and i i will put lena and and uh jerry michelik up against anyone especially her as far as loading speed goes he can't even do it jerry can't even do it uh like she can i mean i've seen many videos now he blames it he makes fun of her because he's like Look, look at her thumb. Look at the size of her thumb. It's a little bitty. She can just shove her thumb all the way in there. Look at my sausage finger. Like, I can't get that thing in there. It's, she's cheating. That's what she's doing. Now, And that's a very father-daughter attitude. Bona and I mess with each other like that all the time. Uh, but there is no denying that she is an expert at what she does. And what Mossberg did, which I think is incredibly intelligent, was go to them and say, what is it that we need to do to make a world-beating competition shotgun? They were having already maneuvered their guns into world, you know, world competition shooting shape. They knew exactly what to tell Mossberg. And what honestly happened is Mossberg just took all of that and went and did it. 
They put the mag extender on it. They they made the mechanism so that you don't have to clean it shy of a thousand rounds. They made the the bolt carrier giant. They made the bolt return giant. They made the grip surfaces the way they were. They thinned out the gun. They made the, all those things that make it lighter, leaner, faster, easier to handle, easier to load. They they machined the the ports. Uh, the, both the loading port, the ramp, all those things to make it easier to load and eject quickly. All of those things, coupled with the experience and know-how, which Lena and, and Jerry are semi-gunsmiths themselves. I mean, they're shaving down guns to get rid of, you know, tenths of ounces of weight. Um, they're machining bolts. They're They're doing all these things to make their guns run right. And then Mossberg says, well, we'll just make a gun like you need. And and it was was crazy sounding, right? But Mossberg went from one of the guns that everybody wanted to use in in these competitions to, to make themselves competitive to the gun. As far as shotguns go, I'm not saying any of the other stuff, but, but as far as shotguns go, the 940JM Pro is the three-gun competition gun to have. It, it just is. I mean, it's, it's, made, it's literally made to do what it needs to do for fast, accurate, quick reloading, and small time on target. That's that's literally what it's for. It is one of the best target versions of of a shotgun available on the market today, and it is less than a thousand dollars. I don't know anyone who could point to something like that and say that's a better tactical or target shotgun than a 940JM. I. I I actually really kind of want one. I can't afford one at the moment, but I really, really want one. I had the 940 Pro. Now, I will tell you two things about it, okay? One, I didn't like it. Uh, Not because it wasn't good, not because it wasn't what it was for. Uh, Now, I didn't have the JM, but the the action is the same on the Pro versus the the JM Pro. Uh, I didn't like it, but... I'm not its target user, okay? Its target user is really a three-gun competition person. Well, the, I mean, the I mean, the barrel on it isn't that long because it's once again three-gun versus you know ski. Well, well, yeah, and the JM's a little shorter than the Pro because the the 940 Pro is basically their version of the field or their field version of the firearm. But the uh, the the thing about it is it doesn't feel like a field gun or a skeet gun or a general purpose gun, which is what I shoot. It's not that it wasn't good. It's just that it was so different that it threw me off. The other thing I will tell you about it, it it is freaking indestructible. It does not jam, ever, no matter what you put in it. I don't care what it is. It does not jam. You really don't need to clean it. You really cannot hurt it. You really get. I mean, you. This sucker gets on target so fast. It is, it is exceptional for what it was designed for. I just I, don't it, use it for that. 
I had wanted one when they first came out, but when they first came out, and it was when I was working at the store, it was also at the point in time where if someone called up asking for a shotgun, your response was, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> uh, you can find them now, but um, they're, like, they get snapped up pretty quick. And even the 940 Pro, which is not the JM, uh, which stands for Jerry Michelik, by the way, uh, they named it after him. Uh, which Lena Mishlik has one, and then she scratched out JM and put LM uh, because she. <laughs> He's like, look at this, look at this. She scratched my own name off her gun. Uh, but <laughs> that's a daughter for you, you know. Uh, that's that's a good father daughter relationship right there. Uh, but the 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 thing with the JMs are they are purpose built to be the world's best customized out of the box customized three gun competition firearm uh four shotguns well i mean and once again i know we this is redundant but that was their goal their goal was to you know you can modify it if you want to but the idea was to have one out of the box ready for competition i really and i've handled some other uh competition guns i for the money I mean, I've seen some guys spend two, three thousand dollars on these competition guns, and they're still not as good as the JM, the 940 JM. They just aren't. Uh, it is purpose built for that, and as far as custom entries into that market and into that that competition space, it is the best there is. It just is. Uh, I mean, I challenge anybody who's spending that kind of money who wants to get into it and just out of the box. You don't have to know anything about gunsmithing. You don't have to know anything about tuning your firearm. You don't know how to you get it out the box, load it. You're good to go. That's how so, good it is. So I think our, our, our answer, Kevin, was that this gentleman's name? Kevin? Yes. Mm-hmm. Kevin, I think our answer is, is you made a damn good choice. Damn good choice, sir. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Well done. Uh, okay, uh, this next one's from Ed. And uh, Ed writes, so an idea. Could you guys touch on eliminating felt recoil, such as recoil slide springs, ported barrels, and slides? Very interested in doing this to a firearm. I have, for example, a SIG SP-2022. That's their that's that's their polymer version of the two two nine and two two six. Okay, uh, but we'd like to hear others' opinions on it. FYI, longtime listener, absolutely love your show. You and Jake and your dad, thanks a million for doing the show. Unfortunately, I live in Illinois and I'm about to get HB fifty eight fifty five shoved where the sun don't shine. Fingers crossed, it doesn't get passed. And have a great day. Keep being awesome. Well, the the one piece of, you know, hope that I will offer him with regards to the um, house bills and all that wonderful stuff is that uh, though it will take somebody getting arrested and having to go through the court process for it, that none of these new bills are, halt are passing muster with the Supreme Court. No. None of them. Yeah, In they fact, the stay Supreme long. Court just gave the... Um, uh, ATF. Well, no, actually, didn't even make it as far as the Supreme Court, but there was. They I think they decided it wasn't even worth their time. Uh, they just slapped down the whole bump stock thing with the ATF. Yeah, they're they're smacking the ATF around with a lot of that stuff. As soon as it gets up high enough, they're just like, mm, no, because <laughs> the ATF is just deciding that's illegal now. No, you can't do well, that. But but see, and that's the thing is that the ATF is chartered as an enforcement body, not a regulatory one. 
Yeah, funny that, that they don't understand the difference. Well, actually, they do. They're just seeing what they can get away with. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, if, even in Illinois, which I know is a cesspool as far as your governing uh, bodies, especially in Chicago, and I can say that. I used to live in Chicago. Y- it'll get better. You know, they'll they'll fix some of that stuff. They're going to have to burn half of it to the ground first, but it's going to get better. Uh, it won't stick around. The <laughs> 5855 won't stick around for that long. Um, there'll, there'll be some issues, but as far as eliminating felt recoil in pistols, I mean, I I can go into this one if you want, especially with, especially with what he has. Uh, the main thing that you can do after market with a pistol is in fact to replace the recoil spring. Uh, with that said, uh, you have to be careful with the weighted, uh, what the weight of the recoil spring is, uh, too hard. Uh, and even though it'll take out some of the recoil, you won't inject the round, uh, too soft and the slide is going to hit you in the face. Uh, so a lot of this may end up coming down more towards choosing a firearm that you're more comfortable with or a caliber that you're more comfortable with than actually trying to modify the pistol. Uh, the example that both Sean and I have gone through, uh, with different brands of gun, but the exact same design of gun is the Walther PPK. Yep. Um, it is amazing that a all steel, uh, 380 can kick as hard as that thing can. And it does. Oh, oh Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and I've tried everything from replacing the recoil spring on it to finally just selling it to my brother. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, now, ported barrels and slides uh, are, are definitely doable. One of the things that you actually can do is have your slide milled uh, by someone who will actually just take some of the fat off of the, off the slide. Uh, it's usually in some sort of pretty and pleasing design that makes everybody go, ooh, and ah. But uh, the main purpose of that is actually take some weight off the slide, uh, which will decrease it to some extent. The other one, as you, as you mentioned, is ported barrel and, uh, and slide, which is a toss-up. I'll admit that I actually like a ported barrel uh, or putting a compensator onto the front of the, the firearm, uh, but you will find a lot of people who get will just lose their shit over the idea of a ported barrel uh, because of where the gases go and the fact that it's, if you're not careful, can end up right in your face. Or if you're handling a self-defense pistol and you have it close to your body, you're going to get burned. There's also a couple of things that I have found, and, and Jake touched on this as well. One is the caliber. Now, I wound up stepping down to a 380. That's, that's my chosen caliber. I really like it. It has less felt recoil. It has less pistol jerk to it. And I preferred it. And I shoot a rather hot 380 out of a longer barreled 380 pistol, but I, I prefer that a great deal. It, it deals with the stuff a lot better for me. Uh, the other thing is how accurate are you with the gun? Uh, let's use the uh, the Walther PPK, uh, for instance. Um, I don't. Pre- I love the way the gun looks. I love it. I absolutely love they, that gun. They are pretty. 
They are gorgeous. It, you know, I mean, you got the whole Bond thing. Let's let's put it this way: I've come across a couple of them used a, or on sale somewhere along the line. That I've had, it's very similar to the uh, Springfields. I've had to talk myself out of them. Oh man, they're so pretty and they look good. And my it's brother's good. got a beautiful engraved one with a with a uh, a pearl handle. It's gorgeous. You know that that, that that's what, what the problem was with me is I, is I'm sitting here looking at myself going, do I really want to spend this much money? On a gun that I'm not going to enjoy shooting enough that it's just going to sit in a box so that I can look at everybody and go, guess what I got? Right. But even if you get a a uh, concealed carry version, a blacked out one or whatever, um, my problem with it was, was or my issue with it is I was exceedingly accurate with that pistol. It is, even with all the jerk and the slide bite and, and all the rest of it, I was pretty good shot with it uh, for me. Uh, for, for what I, it's not like I'm, I was any kind of marksman or anything like that, but I, I was shooting out up until that time, until I found the Berettas, that was the most accurate firearm I had ever shot with. And I was just willing to deal with the kick. Uh, how good are you with your SIG? Uh, is it worth dealing with it or perhaps shooting something else? Try, try a different you know, a, a different model, a different style. Go to a shooting club and see if there's anything else. And Jake and I are the worst people to give you <laughs> advice on this, so just to keep that in mind. Well, actually, he's giving you the best advice we can, which is to try them before you buy them, if at all possible. Right. If you, like, you, you can let a couple rounds off one and go, I hate this, and, and you'll know. Like, is there, like, when you start going, oh, man, I really need to fix this. I don't like the way this shoots at all. It may not be the gun for you. It may be. You know, you may get used to it. But for me, it's always been, I'll get used to this. And I don't. <laughs> I don't. Well, what, he, what he's got is the Sig Sauer SP-2022. It's a 9mm. It is almost the exact same definitions as the Sig P226, uh, though it's only got the capacity of the 229. Uh, and... It's what what draws people to it is is the fact that it is almost the same gun as the 226 and the 229, but it's polymer instead of being all metal, which also means, and here's the real kicker, it's about half the price. Oh, man. So you're talking about a $500 firearm versus a $1,000 firearm. Now, see, and I'm looking at it, and it's a hammer-fired gun, yep. which I always like. Um, I don't know if it has an external safety, but it do, uh no, the six don't, don't typically does. have an external safety. What I they have is a doubt. manual decocker, right? Um, which I also like. Um, it because looks that was great. one of the big things with with the government contractor was they had to start putting safeties on their guns. Yeah, yeah, and you know a lot of the striker fired stuff doesn't like that. But this is a hammer fired gun, which I mean it's almost it's like three quarters of the way there for me. Um. The fact that it's not a 380 is out for me, and the fact that it doesn't have manual safety because I'm a wuss. But uh, it looks good. It really does. It looks good. I'm looking well, at it now. My recommendation for him, if he wants, if he's looking, if he let's put it this way, if he really enjoys or is accurate or works well with his 2022, um, look at the 229 or the 226. They're going to cost you a hell of a lot more money. Yes, without question. But it's the same firearm with a bit more weight to it. And that's the other thing that a lot of people who are new to firearms don't get is that weight is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, it actually keeps a lot of the felt recoil out. Like if you have a heavier shotgun, it'll actually kick a lot less. 
So you, you tend to find, which is why the PPK surprised me as much as it did, that the alloy or metal firearms do not tend to have as much felt recoil as the polymer ones. You can try some some things and, and you know, put a compensator on it and, and do some other stuff. But uh, see how you shoot it. If you really like shooting it, then go into messing around with it. If you don't and you go to a, a gun, a reputable gun club and shoot around with a couple of guns and say, oh, man, this shoots so much better, you'll see the difference, right? See if it's just the gun and you're like, man, I can work with this. Or maybe it's time to, to trade and, and save some stuff. Either way. Well, um, the, the other thing that kind of goes into this is, uh, which is the second part of the question, which is if, uh, okay, I forgot name already again. Ed. Ed, if Ed wants to write in, is what's your use case for this? Is this simply a target gun? Is this a home defense gun? Is this a carry gun? Yeah, are you betting your life on this? Uh, so, so part of that would also go into this because if this is just a target gun, the oh, response just have is fun. have fun with it, and, and then if you're really just that uncomfortable shooting targets, uh, you know, if 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 felt recoil is that big of a deal to you, uh, drop down in caliber, go get a 380, go get a uh, uh, hell, go get a 22. Um, the 22s are a hell of a lot of fun to shoot. Oh man, uh, it's it's uh, they're super fun and uh, you know like the the target stuff is like yeah go find something that's fun jeez you know there's no with target shooting and plinking and, and stuff like that and just shooting for fun there is no point and I have come to this conclusion there is no point in shooting a gun that is not fun no or that beats you up you're like this sucks and it does uh, if if you're betting your life on this thing there's some different considerations you know can you hit with it. Can you carry it? Can you draw it? Can you operate the thing without thinking about it? How much training is that going to take? Is it worth the risk? Is it worth... All those things come into play, and we've got a, a podcast. In fact, the last podcast, I believe, uh, was about, or maybe the one before that, um, but you can look on the site, uh, Selecting a Carry Gun. We have an entire podcast on, on those decisions, which are long and numerous as far as the questions that you have to ask, but... I think Jake's hit the nail on the head there. Which one is this? If you'd like to write in and tell us, is this a carry gun or a, or a fun gun? If it's fun, oh, man, just have a ball. Do whatever you want to it and have a ball. <laughs> the other part that goes into the question is, is what is the problem with the felt recoil? Is it simply, is it? I mean, let's put it this way. I went through a period of time where I was having issues with my hands and anything that had a felt recoil, I was getting about 100 rounds out of them. My hands just ached. So is it a problem where the recoil is beating you up? Is it a problem where it's throwing your aim off? And I was going to so, say, is your pattern stuck? <laughs> uh, well, no. With the, the other part of it is, is how is it throwing your aim off? Because if it's if it's uh, if you're going too high, typically speaking, now there's people going to argue with me on this one. Typically speaking, you're you're limp wristing in some fashion, form or the other. If it's going uh, too low, especially low into the left, you're probably anticipating the recoil and jerking the firearm. Now, I don't have a whole lot as far as the whole limp wristing thing, other than say grip the damn gun harder um but at the same time with the felt recoil i had that problem for a long time and what saved it for me was uh there's a product out there they go by a million different names uh and there's a million different brands of them where it's a uh, a uh, the, a dummy bullet with a laser on the end of it and a target that you connect your cell phone to 
and just get your actual aim down where you put your finger, how you hold it, everything under the sun. Not only that, but what you'll typically find is, is that since you're shooting at a target, you, you'll find out already that even without a actual hot round in there, you're already anticipating recoil. So start actually trying that and just getting used to that. It's part of the whole dry fire concept, but this way you're actually aiming the firearms, seeing where you get things, et cetera, et cetera. And it's amazing how just you'll start to do, to alter your grip to, to get things to go where you want them to do. Where does your finger at the trigger? All of the above, but that doing that will actually help you get your aim down without the recoil and not only that gets you used to the point of pulling the trigger without uh, anticipating and are trying to correct for recoil which is if when the moment you try to correct for recoil you've already screwed it up yeah yeah it's it starts way before the recoil actually it ends with the recoil and you find out if you you did it correctly um so then it comes down into what is the actual problem with the recoil? If it's just beating the shit out of you, then you need a smaller caliber. You know, if you if it's cause if it's messing with your aim, but it's not beating you up, uh, it may be something that's a little bit more of a technique driven thing than actually specifically altering the firearm. Yeah, it's it's going to be a good thing to uh, to just try that shit out and see where your you know where the recoil is is messing with you or if it is or, or whatever if it's just a grip thing or you don't like the caliber or anything although a lot of people like i would say the majority the is you of may shooters. just not like the firearm yeah maybe. as much as as much as i love the six hours and they're what work for me like for, for, for example you put a glock in my hands and i can't do shit with it just because <laughs> it's it's not comfortable for me so the other part about it is, is are you using the right form and function of firearm for you? Or is it the right brand? Have you tried others? Yeah, and that's and that's kind of the thing. I mean, there's there's a lot of that going on. And, and no matter what anybody tells you, I watched, uh, I think it was Madman or something like that. And he's like, the five most useless firearms that you can buy in 2022. And the P365 was on the list. And I'm like, oh, for crying out loud. So was the, the uh, Taurus GX4. And he's like, just buy the GX3, which I I have the G3C. Um, and he's like, it's a way better gun, you know, because it's and and basically he was basing most of his recommendations off capacity because that's what's in, important to him. That may not be important to you, right? And like that maybe the P365 is a fantastic firearm. Yes, the macro holds more rounds. But that's not well, necessarily what everybody wants. You, it depends on which one you buy. Right. My P365X will hold just as many rounds. But it's it's like, dude, just because it holds more doesn't mean it's better. And it's, you know, like, and I love it when people do that kind of stuff. They're like, this is way better because this is what I value. And it's like, yeah, but not everybody values that, you know, um, it's like I could get my wife in here and she would give you a very different description of what is a good and not good pistol. Because a lot of them don't work for her. <laughs> because the other part about that is, is I don't care if it carries a hundred rounds or carries one. If you can't hit anything with it, what difference does it yeah, make? Yeah, or you can't rack the slide, or you, you can't. Like, there's all kinds of reasons. Like, if you can't reach around to click the safety off, that thing's a, is a paperweight. Like, there's there's all kinds of things that go into that, and and 
it's it's always fun to see where people wind up because they make different varieties for different reasons. I, I saw the the other day everybody keeps uh there there was I can't remember who who it was. I was watching videos and they're like, yeah, you know these guns are really for newbie shooters because they have external manual safeties and only new people like external manual safeties. And I'm like, I like an no. external manual safety. <laughs> It makes me feel that's, safe. I'm sorry. That's, say, that's a matter of your comfort level. Yeah, your comfort level. And I guess I, you could call me a newbie. I've only been carrying for about two years. But still, that makes I won't carry a gun without one. I'm sorry. That If that makes me a noob, I guess so. Because it also comes down to what's, what is makes you more comfortable. And it's not the same thing for everybody. For some people, it's the idea of having that extra step or extra piece of uh, mechanism that can foul that bothers them. Whereas you've got other people, and this is where you fall, who have the idea of, wow, there's only like an eighth of an inch between the hammer and the firing pin. If something bumps that, that could be bad. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to that. And uh, I hesitate to, to make a decision for everyone about what you're comfortable carrying and your experience level and your experiences with well, firearms. Well, everything, every, every firearm you're going to look at is going to have pros and cons. The yeah, question there's no is, perfect is, one. No. Okay. And, and you Glock people, I mean, you too. Yeah. No, you especially <laughs> actually, I've seen your out of the box triggers. They suck. All right. <laughs> But but there is no perfect firearm, and everything is going to have its pros and cons. What you have to decide is what is most important to you and your use case, because not only that, it also comes down to use case. Yeah, and and everybody is is going to tell you what their best gun is and their best decision and the one they think is best, and, and for them, well, that may be true. I'll tell I'll tell you, and this this is going to sound simple as all hell, and maybe even just duh. But my thing is, is that I won't have a home defense firearm that doesn't have a light on it. Yeah, I get that. I get that. You know, I you have know, uh, and, the... and and have once again trained myself from where it's hid to grab and hit the light before anything else. You know, I have uh, several guns. Um around my house one of them is my concealed carry that winds up in a nightstand and the other one is actually in my office uh because i'm there much of the day because i work from home and i'm like you know this is stupid i need a gun here and i don't want to drag one back and forth i know that's a first world problem but um i'm like you know i'm gonna have one here and that's where the taurus g3c sits and i've got a light on the bottom you know slung on the bottom of the barrel on that and it's set up like a glock Right. It, it really is. It's got a light slung under it's a nine millimeter. It's, you know, it, it's a wonderful little firearm. Um, and there is not a soul who sees it, who doesn't react one of two ways. Either they laugh hysterically going, why would you have that? And not a cig or a Glock or they go, how much you pay for that? Work it. Is it the, really, you know, cause I didn't pay more than a hundred bucks for it. Well, okay. Anybody who's looking at a G3C and not necessarily saying, I want that, but saying that's too cheap is is a snob. Yeah, I mean because it's... <laughs> because once again, is it is it a Cadillac, a Porsche, BMW, a no, firearm? No, never is will it be. One, is it one hell of a Toyota Camry? 
Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, Honda, it is. Honda Civic? Same thing. And I've actually been using the uh, the vehicles for guns uh, analogy forever just because it was something that would get people to understand what I meant by less expensive depending on the gun isn't as bad as you might think it is. Because yeah. you can buy a Honda Civic and it may not be necessarily as flashy as your guy who's got a Porsche. But it'll last but, forever. But it'll last forever. At the same time, there are a few Yugos out there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Uh, so, oh my God! I'm gonna I'm gonna cut us off for a second here, just because I have to. Did you see that the Yeet Cannon is not even coming out in nine millimeter first? It's coming out in ten. I I looked at <laughs> that and went, honestly why? Making a cannon out of it. <laughs> they literally, you just want a wrist snapper? Like what do you want? I did see that. High point Yeet Cannon in ten millimeter. All of the design that they put into that little nine millimeter is actually coming out in the ten millimeter. Ten millimeter. First. I was like, well, I don't want it now. <laughs> no, the nine is still coming. Yeah, I. But coming, the ten's probably going to be released first. The ten's coming first. I, like, I don't want that. For I'll wait for the nine. Thank you. That's that's okay. I like ugly and unique looking. Totally into it. I don't like ugly, unique looking with I with ten millimeter. 10 millimeter is not my thing. It's once not once my again, ground. I think they took the cannon portion of that a little bit too far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they were sitting around going, you know what would be funny? <laughs> <laughs> if we made it 10 millimeter. <laughs> we already designed it for night. I know. It'll be great. <laughs> I am positive that's what happened. <laughs> it has to be. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, speaking of, uh, carries and guns and all that stuff, it kind of rolls into our next, uh, uh, email here, our next and last email. And, uh, this one's from Mr. Dude and Mr. Dude writes, uh, listen to the last podcast and heard about carrying the 85 cheetah, the Beretta 85 cheetah. I picked up an 84 BB cheetah over the summer and absolutely love it although it's a bit thicker than the single stack i found switching out the grips from some uh with some from a company called lock grips l-o-k lock grips the bb or the 84 bb slims down quite nicely actually i've heard that i've heard you can re-grip it and it slims down slims it down pretty good because the the uh the original grips on the the 84 bb are actually pretty thick uh, I, I actually tried that with the uh, SIG 229, and actually it went the other way on me. Oh, did it? Yeah. <laughs> it beefed out a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it conceals a lot better this way. Uh, plus, they look a lot nicer than the OEM grips. I don't like carrying striker fired pistols. Uh, again, here's here's uh, somebody who differs from the standard or, or what people say. Gotta get a clock. I don't like carrying striker fired pistols. While I don't use a thumb safety, the DASA trigger gives me, it's dual action, single action, trigger gives me enough peace of mind to have it chambered and pointed at my junk all day. <laughs> Love the podcast, thanks. <laughs> and, and again. He's appendix carrying it. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, okay, this now, is. Now, I, I shouldn't tease him because, quite frankly, I would appendix carry if I had a waist. <laughs> but as a 300 pound man and i've and i have looked videos left and right seeing if there's a way of doing it the, yeah 300 pound men do not appendix carry i have a waist and i don't appendix carry i just it panics me 
Um, I guess I'm a tentative uh, concealed carrier because I want one with a hammer. I want one with an ex- uh, a manual ex- uh, safety. Well, but, but, but once again, that also kind of goes into the differing of desires or even concerns with regards to um, the, the different firearms. Now, see, I won't carry one with a, that's got a hammer for a couple of different reasons. First of all... Um, the uh, a, a double action trigger before it's actually cocked, I can't get my finger onto it anyway, so I'm going to have to cock it. I'm back to needing that extra step. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is even if I could, uh, I'm looking for a consistent pull of knowing what it's going to do when I go to draw it versus uh, double action then single action, which is I, I know I ain't hitting shit with that first round, and God forbid I hit the person behind them if I've got a double action single action firearm. So it, I, I, on the other hand, won't carry one that's actually got a hammer. Yeah, I uh, – and see, it's different. He has – and here's here's where it starts to – you start to kind of understand where it is. Uh, first of all, Mr. Dude, thank you for, for the letter. It is excellent, and I love uh, seeing cheetah people out in the wild. Uh, <laughs> he's carrying basically the same – a different version of the same firearm I have. Okay, I have an 85F. He's got an 84 BB. The difference between the two is actually pretty vast. They have the same barrel length and everything, but the BB is a double stack, so it carries more. And it is gripped differently than mine is. It's also a, a little fatter than mine. But it's the same essential firearm. However, um, he is is very comfortable carrying it with the thumb safety off. As far as, you know, he's ready to fire because it's a hammer-fired firearm and it's a double shot. Now, I got used to double action, single action with the Beretta 92FS that I had. I learned to shoot that. Buona taught me how to do that. He was a military, he was in the military and did expert level stuff for a long time. And I was like, oh, okay, this is how you do that. And he taught me how to do that. And the, the Cheetah is the same thing, except I'm experiencing it in 380. And... For me, it's just not that big a deal. I was like, oh, cool. I'll do that. Uh, it, it takes all kinds. <laughs> you know, the uh, I actually want a uh, an 84 BB just to play with because uh, I think they're wonderful guns. I, I think they're neat looking. I love the, the way they are. I would look, prefer, because there's a shot, I might carry it. I would prefer one of the later versions that blacked out with the synthetic grips and everything like the one I have. But I can't imagine anything that I would rather carry than that cheetah. I, I really can't. I That's my gun. You know, that's the form factor. That's the style. I know all the, the controls. It's basically a shrunk down 92 or M9. And I love it. Oh my gosh, I love it. And that's... I guess part of what we've been trying to go over in the last couple of, of casts is, well, I love the Cheetah. I love it. I've been chasing one for years. Other people like it in different... They have a ton of different versions of it that, that kind of conform well, to do different things. Well, look, look at this. We both we both are concealed carry people who carry a gun with us on just about every day of the week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But look at the differences in what we chose. You know, you, you carry a, a cheetah. First, let's start with caliber. It's a 380. Yep. Uh, it, it's a all-metal construction. Correct. 
Uh, it's hammer fired. Correct. And it's it's got three dot sights on it. It does. Okay, and it's got a uh, a manual safety. Correct? Actually, technically, it's two dot sights. It's a it's a it's a double stack sight. So they're basically used for for quick lining. So there's a diamond okay. and a dot. But yeah, yeah but, exactly. but, you, but you have the standard over the the slide sights. Correct. Yes. Okay. Whereas on the other hand, I carry a nine millimeter Sig Sauer P365 that's got a inlaid um, one dot sight. Uh, it's a nine millimeter. It's a striker fire a firearm, and it has no manual safety on it whatsoever. And we're both just as careful. And either one of us would be anywhere near willing to carry the other one's firearm. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and and that's okay. You know, that's that's kind of you know the point of having these different options and everything. I like that standard that 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 I'm shooting and and I'm very comfortable with it. I've trained with it. I understand why I picked the things I did now. Um as soon as I picked it up I went, "Oh, that's right. No, that's that's going to work." You also hit on the other thing if you're going to be carrying a firearm. You've trained with it. Yeah. Yeah, you, and that's the most important thing right it, there. It is it, a lot of it is muscle memory. And if you're not uh you know creating and reinforcing that muscle memory, uh, it is a learned process. It's very few and far between people who just pick it up and go for it. And it's also it, and it's, yeah, a perishable skill, which a lot of people don't realize. I need to go back to the range. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you go and shoot, and I've, I've seen this many times, like, uh, and it burns me every year. The minute I think, I, I, like, I'm hot shit when I'm out, um, like at the end of summer, end of fall, okay, <laughs> I've been shooting for three months straight out in the fields and I can hit a clay no matter what I'm pulling and no matter what gauge it is and no matter where I'm standing or what I'm doing, I can hit at that clay. Okay. I don't care what it is. Cool that off for about three months. (laughs) You come back out thinking you're hot stuff (laughs) and you're wrong. (laughs) And they say no use. And the worst part about it is if you've been, in any way, shape, or form, talking about how much hot stuff you are, you're definitely going to be having Dad going, so you know, a little bit of a problem there, son? Uh, it's, uh, did you see that one? Boy, it looked like it floated clean off into the grass, didn't it? Uh, that one kind of got away a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, which is why the first time or two when we go back out after after having a break like that, we don't bring anybody because we don't want anybody. We shall not speak of this. <laughs> No one shall see it, and we do not speak of this. Uh, I still remember once, a little over a year ago, I went shooting with my father and brother, and just it had been a little while since I'd had a chance to make it to the range, and it was such a bad day that I literally went back the next day by myself to work this shit out. (laughs) We are not having this happening again. (laughs) I totally get it. But, I mean, that's... Where, That's where are you going? What it to the is. range? Weren't you just there? Yes. Yep. And I'm going back. That's uh, that's not how that crap's not happening again. Uh, but it's like that. I mean, you you gotta practice. You gotta with whatever it is. I don't care what it is. Uh, your your uh, rifles, pistols, shotgun. I don't care what it is. You need to practice, and your comfort and familiarity level will help. 
It will absolutely, you'll, it's the difference between training with a gun that you've never fired before coming cold into a new shooting situation after a break or after a long, uh, non-shooting time period, uh, with a gun that you've never shot before. It will take you longer than one that is an old friend. Right. Oh yeah, no, I remember this. Yeah, no, I gotta hold my hand. Okay. Yeah, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Just throw another one. Just shut up. You know, I'll get it. Um, that's a very different scenario than it just, you know, you've never laid hands on it. And here we go. So that does make a difference, but it's familiarity, training, um, how well does whatever you're doing, uh, suit or whatever you have suit what you're doing to you and there's a reason everybody doesn't make the same thing there really is because it does make a difference and you will have to uh, all every shooter is different now you'll follow some some similar trends 100 percent, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean your the your preferred firearm is the same as anybody else's because you are gonna have peculiarities wow i cannot say that uh to you i'm not gonna try yeah <laughs> uh, you're, you're gonna have those things that, that you're like wow in preference no matter what anybody tells you preference comes into style you know comes into effect it does whether it's pistols rifles shotgun doesn't matter what it is your preference will come into effect and different things will affect different types of, of firearms like Triggers make a huge difference in pistols. They make not nearly as much difference in a shotgun. Not nearly as much. No. Uh, but. Well, a lot of things make a difference in pistols just because it's so compact. Right. And you sometimes, yeah, there's there's only a couple of points of contact. You have a rifle or a shotgun, there's four points of contact on that bad boy. You got your cheek, your shoulder, and both hands, if you're doing it correctly. Um, that's a lot of points or, of contact. Or, like me, you end up with bruises in your inner arms. <laughs> uh, but there's, there's a lot of difference between them. Pistols, in my personal opinion, is arguably the most difficult to master. Because it's small, you're having to control it with just your hands, and depending on what you're trying to do with it, uh, it can be very difficult to understand what you do differently from one shot to the next. And that's a that's a booger to try and troubleshoot sometimes. Uh, a lot of times it's easier to have somebody else watch what you're doing. Somebody who knows what they're doing, watch what you're doing and go, okay, this is what's happening to you. Oh, and, and I've had that a couple of times. Right. And it's a lot, it's a lot of times it's not even like, um, uh, um, asked for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 and it depends on your mood every once in a while. It's kind of like, fuck off. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> And every once in a while, it's kind of like, ah, okay. A lot of times I find that also depends on who it's coming from. Yeah, no, that's, if, that's 100% if, true. If, if it's some dumbass kid, and, every, and, every, and I won't say that they haven't helped me before, but uh, the range where we go to, there's a couple of the uh, safety uh, kids that are just kind of like, oh, dude, you're 12, go away. Yeah. Um, and then every once in a while, you'll get like I have range bags older than you. Yeah. Well, every once in a while, you'll also get some uh, guy who you can tell is like 
ex-military and old, and it's kind of like, okay, I'll listen to you. Yeah, sometimes that works out pretty well. Uh, sometimes, and, and this is what I've found too, sometimes, you know, especially the guys who are, you know, think they're super speed heavy operator type people who have only trained with three guns in their entire life, and they'll tell you that those three guns are the best guns that you could ever have and you should never have anything else. You're like, oh, for crying out loud. Well, okay. There's a way to tell who the, which those people are, though. If you've got somebody who's out there decked out in BDUs or whatever and they look well used, they're, you're probably okay. If he's got a handgun or whichever gun that looks like he doesn't care if he drops it or not, you're probably okay. Mm-hmm. If you've got the guy who's got brand new, never scuffed anything and wants to tell you about all the adjustments he's done to his firearm, uh, yeah, don't walk away. Yeah, if he's got more pecs and delts and grunt style um, and everything shiny. <laughs> and, and, and when if his uh, attachments to his firearm weigh more than the firearm do? Warning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the best advice I've ever gotten is from this old dude who, who, I mean, he was in combat boots and BDUs and all that kind of stuff, but had the worst-looking M9 I've ever seen in my entire life and held a pattern at 35 yards the size of a half-dollar. I want advice from that guy. <laughs> you know, and he's actually him and Bonner are the ones who taught me how to do a a ninety two FS because he came over and he's like, "It's fine, firearms, brand new." I said, "Yes, sir, it is." He's like, "Let me show you what's going on with that." Do you mind? And I'm like, "Actually, no." And he's like, "I'm like, yeah, you've been shooting one of these long?" And he goes, "I don't know, about forty years." <laughs> like, good to know. <laughs> like, since they came out, got it. <laughs> so. I'm like, he's like, I have a lot of experience with this. I'm like, really? Uh, you know, and he's been talking, and he's like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, yeah, I was a firearms, a firearms instructor in the military in the Army during, you know, Persian Gulf. You know, <laughs> this, 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 the Desert Storm, this, this, this. Okay, well, uh, yeah, what's going on with this? And, you know, proceeded to show me how to deal with the double action, single action, and how that works. And, you know, Bono was helping, too. And I was like, oh, wow. And I really learned to shoot that well. And I was like, I like this. I just want it smaller. (laughs) 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 And that's where I wound up with what I have, right? I was like, man, this would be perfect. And I was right. I just needed smaller. And I was right. And, And that's... Sometimes you fall into those things. Sometimes you have to fumble around to you're like, well, I don't, I like this part, but not this part, and this part, but this, not this part. And you wind up going and, and like Jake, it's like, this, only completely different. <laughs> I'm going to order a bunch of different parts for it. <laughs> it's going to be a Frankensig, but it's going to work. And he's right. <laughs> uh, well, look, there's something to be said for basic and uh, and untouched. I my my still my favorite story about the, the working in the gun uh, store was when I worked at the one of the gun shows, and this old guy who you know, had to be in his late seventies, early eighties wanders up. Uh, you can tell that whether or not he's young for World War II or you know was in uh, Korea, he was definitely a little bit old for Vietnam. But he, at the mid, at earliest, he was in Korea, mm-hmm. and he's looking at just your most basic inexpensive, solid, heavy 1911s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, I look government issue type jobs. Yeah. Yes. And I'm sitting there going, you know, sir, everything. Okay. You didn't go on me. Show you take anything out. And he sits there and goes, you know, 
These things are awesome. We used to like use them as hammers, and then they'd still fire perfectly fine. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that 1911. And he sits there and goes, now they got this plastic shit. <laughs> I see like, where you are, sir. <laughs> and, I, and just trying to be diplomatic, I went, well, you know, the polymer is a little bit lighter, a little bit less expensive. And he's like, his response is something I will never forget to this day. He looked me over and he goes, you can't pistol whip somebody with plastic, son. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your word for that, sir. <laughs> it goes back to the, the shotgun. Why'd you lose that shotgun, son? Uh, it, it was hit. It wasn't working. Damn that! It didn't working. That's a perfectly good club. You could beat somebody to death with that. <laughs> I uh, along those same lines, one of my father's friends from the service. Uh, I was I don't know maybe 18, 20 years old and, uh, took us out shooting, uh, cause he was in town and he wanted to see my dad and, and everything. And, uh, and they'd been in Vietnam together and, uh, he was, uh, he was a big believer, like you're saying, which is reminding me of the story. He was a big believer in the 1911, loved it. And, uh, uh, he had uh, a brand new M nine that he had gotten. And, uh, at the time, and he wanted to show it to my dad because because he was he was super happy with it. He really liked the M9 platform. He believed in it. And uh, <laughs> and I my father like uh, growing up I I I'm from the south. I call everybody sir and ma'am. And I call and and he was instructing me on how to shoot it. And of course I I didn't you know I was into revolvers at the time so I didn't really pay much attention and he's like are you listening to me boy and I'm saying yes sir and he just popped him up short don't you call me sir boy I had a mother and I'm like whoa what, what? <laughs> I work for a goddamn living yeah <laughs> yes sergeant major <laughs> like sergeant he goes that damn right <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful first... day there, Sergeant Major. Yeah. You're a fucking weatherman. <laughs> it was the first time I'd ever experienced the difference between an enlisted NCO and an officer and the uh, high regard in which they hold their officers. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> I don't know if this is worth making it onto the cast or not, so you can cut it out if you want to. My brother's last high school level lacrosse coach was an ex-Marine recon sergeant major sniper. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Had some opinions about some stuff, didn't he? Oh, yeah. He, he was funny because uh, we, we were talking to him uh, at, right about the time that uh, the second Iraq war was starting up. And uh, they asked him whether or not he was going back. He's like, man, I got friends calling me, telling me they're having a time of their goddamn life out there. He says, but I'm too old. They won't let me reenlist. And he's like, well, you know, you got the security companies to go for. He says, nah, it's not what I do. He goes, you give me a long gun, put me on a roof and tell me you want anybody within a mile dead. I'm that, I'm, I can do that. He says, and goes, but you give me a little gun, tell me to keep somebody else alive. That doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was hilarious. He actually, at one point in time, one of the kids was just screwing up on the field uh, during a scrimmage with an, with another uh, team. And he walked right out onto the field, grabbed a hold of him by the front of the helmet, and dragged him off and just screaming the whole way. <laughs> First of all, if you got a hold of the face mask on somebody's helmet, they're going wherever you tell yeah, them. Yeah, you have total control of where they're going. 
And somebody had the gall to ask him, do you think you're being a little bit too rough? And he went, rough? I haven't thrown him over the goddamn fence yet. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I quasi-dated a girl in high school whose father was an ex-Marine infantry guy. And, of course, I mean, every Marine is an infantryman. But, this, I mean, he was infantry, infantry. Like, he, he loved it, lived it. Still, like, you could walk in his house and there was Marine everything all over everywhere, right? Tattoos the whole night. He, he, you could tell he would really prefer he was still there. Uh, and... Like, wherever this dude went, sitting at home in his recliner, he still had strapped to his belt a K-bar. Like a real one. <laughs> not not the kind you can order off Amazon that'll bend in half, right? Like a real one. And would proceed to, to tell you with great joy and, and enthusiasm the different ways he knew and had used to kill people with it. And I'm like... This seems like I never walked into their home where there was not some sort of Clint Eastwood movie. Heartbreak Ridge being a, a return favorite. Um, <laughs> playing at some point in time. Uh, just I can put a round through a flea's ass at 30 yards. <laughs> it's just you're just like, OK, never joined in the Marine Corps. <laughs> This is obviously too hardcore, high speed for me. That's, you know, it's way too hard charging. Like uh, our friend joined the Marine Corps, and and that was like he was like trying to to shove his daughter at at our friend, and she's like, if you think I am signing up for this for the rest of my life <laughs> because you found a friend who thinks the same as you do, you've got another thing coming, and of course she didn't. Um, but, uh, he was just so sure she was going to love dating this dude because he was, he was joining the Marine Corps and he was just so excited and he came back and he was just as hardcore as every other Marine you've ever seen and talking lovingly about his, his, uh, rifle and his, his sidearm and all the rest of that stuff. And I'm just like, this is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. He would, he would say like that. And I'm just like, I think you may have taken this a little too far, dude. <laughs> Like we, there, there's a line, and I think we've we've gone over it just a touch. You need to walk that back just a smidgen, um, you know. And he he proceeded to use knife hands to explain everything, you know. Like he would, he would <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like you oh, know, oh oh yeah. I'm like oh, for crying out loud, man. Like I, those are the guys. <clears throat> At the gun shows, where you're just like, oh, please stop talking. You know, the, the, those those are actually not the ones that 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 worry me and scare me. The ones that are completely, you can tell they're military, are completely calm. And when you ask them what they do, they tell you, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a private contractor. I do computers. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure you are. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, the 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 ones that uh, 
the get me are the ones that walk around. You know, like you got a lot of the guys who are Vietnam vets and everything, or vets in general, who who have a lot of you know they wear their vests and their hats and their patches and all that stuff. And those are the guys who are very proud of it. It's the guys who don't wear any of that, you know, who are like, oh yeah, I was there. Like, okay, you know, and, and, uh, it was, I, it, it's, it's a different modality, you know, but I'm always interested to see what kind of firearms they carry, you know, cause there's, there seems to be several groups, right? There's the 1911 guys and those are very, very specific guys. And you know, the ones I'm talking about, right? There, there is not a problem invented that a 1911 cannot handle in their eyes, <laughs> Right. If you need more rounds than that, you should be a less shitty shot. Them old guns feel like plastic. I think I'm gonna just stick with my pistola. Are you gonna need one, <laughs> yeah. sir? If I need one of those, there'll be plenty of them lying on the ground. <laughs> exactly. And then there's what I call the black rifle grunt style boys. <laughs> oh, and those they have a very specific set of things that they like as well. You know, the, the arrogant guy on, on, on YouTube loves, you know, like, you're like, oh, for crying out loud. Okay. You know, um, and then there's the third group when you're talking about pistols and they're the Glock cult and the Glock cult, as far as I can tell, there has never been another gun made that can compare, nor will there ever be another gun made that can compare. And you just, and it's kind of like, they're the most fun to mess with because it's so like, at least everybody else has a reason, right? Even the black rifle guys, there's a reason they think like that because they've had to depend on those in their life before. And they understand them. They were trained in them. They practiced with them. They took them to war. They, they're very comfortable with the weapon systems that they were presented and trained on. I get that. The 1911 guys, they're comfortable in the weapon systems that they, they have experience in and they feel comfortable with and they feel comfortable about carrying that son of a bitch on half cock, uh, through an earthquake or whatever it is. Okay. War zone, whatever. I at least get that. As far as I can tell, the Glock guys is just they fell for the marketing right that's all you'll ever need clock you know and i'm like hey you telling me there's nothing else not a sig not a beretta not anything else that's as reliable as no clock and i love screwing with them the most well, i really do like okay how much you pay for the gun oh like uh, 600 bucks okay well how much did you pay after that? I was going to say, how much mod you got in it? <laughs> so you could, you could buy a, ta- you know, a, a Wilson combat or a Terran tactical, anything for what you pay, what you've got into that quote unquote out of the box Glock, right? I'm like, if it was such a perfect weapon, why'd you have to do $800 worth of mods to it? Well, it's perfect now. It's better. You realize the fallacy in that argument, right? <laughs> no, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> and I know there's Glock guys they, listening they, to this. They will, and everything. they will look at you confused and cock their head like a puppy. Yeah. I, I know Ooh. there's Glock guys listening to this, and they're like, ah! feel free, Hawkside guns, 
at gmail.com. Tell us the wrongness of our ways. I would love to hear it. Um, it's, it's Actually, always great. I would, I, would, I would love to hear this because I've had this argument more times than I can count. Oh, I love them. <laughs> I, I love those guys. You know, like I, at least, like I said, at least I understand the Black Rifle guys. At least I understand well, the 1911 guys. I do. I understand why they think that. Now, but at the same time, if you've tried different firearms and all that wonderful stuff and you come down to the fact that, and, you, and once again, you can tell the difference when somebody sits there and goes, yeah, just a Glock is what I prefer. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, no, no. Yeah. That's cool. When it's, no, 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 I have a Glock because it's the best and you should have one too. You're like, oh, an evangelist. Let's talk. You know, like, a, <laughs> and, you, and you're right. There is a difference. There's a like, well, it's what I have to use for my job and this is what they require because of the reliability and, and this is what I was issued. So that's what I got to get good with. Totally get it. All right. I understand completely. <laughs> but <laughs> when you, when they start off in 1978, the most beautiful and perfect gun that has ever been was created <laughs> like oh it's gonna be a good day <laughs> we're gonna have the conversation yeah no uh, completely um so uh it's it, to, to i guess to round that out i uh i look forward to uh further emails we hope we've at least addressed a little bit and if we haven't answered your question if there's something we got wrong or something like that please tell us uh, hawkseyeguns at gmail.com. I enjoyed the heck out of this. It's uh, It's been a great and fun cast. I was super great to get my mind off of other things that are going on here. Uh, and firearms is always one of those topics that does it. So uh, thank you guys. And uh, you got anything else, Jake? No, I'm good. Right on. Um, Thank you guys for writing in. Man, it's been super freaking cool. Uh, I just put up that email recently, and I am I love to see when we've got a new email in it. I, I take great joy in forwarding them to Jake, going, look, people listen and say things. <laughs> well, I, th- th- this is both of our, you know, whether you want to call it passion or hobby, this is what you and I do for fun. Yeah. Oh, 100%. You know? Uh, so when you get somebody else who has the same interest that you do, who starts, wants to talk to me, even if they want to tell you they think you're an idiot, it's, you're like, it's, yes! it's, it's fun. <laughs> it is. It is one of the most fun things I do is this podcast. And I mean, I, you, uh, you, you've got car guys who will be sitting there arguing whether or not, you know, the Corvette or the uh, Camaro is better. And the, you, and they're having the same arguments that we are over Glock and Sig. Yeah, over. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and, and which is funny because when I tell people I'm a Beretta guy, they're like, oh, one of those. <laughs> like, well, well it, just in pistols, but yeah. <laughs> Well, no, well, no, because you have the same thing. You had, you know, nowadays it's Glock, but in the days of, in, well, the eight, 80s into 90s, it was the Beretta M9 because that's what every movie hero, whether it was John McClane or um, uh, yeah. uh, Mel Gibson from Lethal Weapon, uh, that's what they carried. Oh, 100%. And they're like, oh, a 92. And I'm like, actually, no. <laughs> like, think smaller. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's so funny when I tell them like it's a cheetah. Well, the, the 380. I was gonna say the the other part about it is is that you have a decent amount of caliber snobbery as well. You um, know, lately I found that, but um, you know, with as popular as a lot of the concealed 380s are nowadays, it's less and less. I, I will say that it is it is less of a caliber snob uh, from folks now than it used to be because there's a lot of great 380s out there 
Uh, Typically, for for my own usage, if I'm looking for a 380, I'm looking for something small enough to fit in my pocket. And and that's valid, you know. Uh, there's a lot of people who who have a Tomcat or a Bobcat or something like that, but you know most of the people when I tell them I carry a Beretta, assume it's a 92 or a, like a PX4, and you know which they're they're like, what do you carry? I'm like, oh, it's a it's a it's a Cheetah. Do they even make that anymore? <laughs> Actually, no, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> So, and, and you can see the thought process go through the head, and they're, and they're like, well, then why are you carrying that? Because I like it. Because I like it, and I can shoot it, and it's perfect for what I do. And what I and, they, and they're like, yeah, but, and you can see the argument, because everybody really, because firearm people are really the best people. I don't care who well, you are. It, well, it, and, and, you, and you know you got somebody who really loves their gun when they start sounding like the abominable snowman from Chuck Jones. I will love it and hug it and squeeze it, and I will call him George. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I love it. Look how pretty it is, and I love it. It's, it's good. And you pet it, you know. I, it's a lot like that. And, um, you know, whereas somebody else, you know, will look at that and, and go, ah, that's an interesting choice. <laughs> and it's fine. But those are the conversations I love to have. Um, because it is interesting, and it always is is fantastic to find out why people selected the firearms that they did, no matter what it is, you know, uh, whether it be rifle or shotgun or pistol, whatever it is. Uh, it's always fascinated to me. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Why'd you pick that? Uh, what what is it about that 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 does the job for you? What I mean, is there something you want more? And there's always something. <laughs> And you can tell a firearm guy you want more. Yeah, there's always a you can tell a firearm person from somebody who's being forced to carry it because they'll go, oh yeah, no, this is great. But what I want is, <laughs> well, there's always the, the the fun answer to the question: How many firearms do you need? At least one more. At least one more. <laughs> do you know? Um, I figured it out, and I know I, I, I said we're going, and we are. But um, I figured it out the other day. Although it was very depressing because I had nothing else to do. I was sitting in a hospital room and stuff, and it was like late at night. I made a spreadsheet, which I shouldn't have done. <laughs> you definitely needed to get your mind off of things. <laughs> I made a spreadsheet. Um, do you know how many firearms I have in the house? Some are mine, some are not, but do you know how many firearms I have in the house? Actually, no. I know it's more than I do, but go because I'm the only one in the house who collects them. But go ahead. Twenty three. Now, I know that sounds bad. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it sounds bad. Uh, seven of them are not mine. Uh, Shannon has three, and the girls have two apiece. So the girls each have a twenty two long rifle in pistol and rifle format. And then Shannon has uh, three firearms, two. Uh, she's got her 9mm, her backup 380 that she carries in a backpack, and her uh, 410 for the ranch. <clears throat> However, that leaves 16 of them in her mind. <laughs> I, I love that video you see bumping around. You'll see people doing uh, parodies of where it's kind of like, well, how many firearms does a normal person have? Oh, five or six. And then it goes, well, wow, I thought that was like a collector. No, a collector's got like 10 or 12. 
I thought I thought there was an enthusiast. Now an enthusiast has got like twenty to thirty. I thought I thought that was a maniac. No, a maniac's only got one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's a crazy person. A crazy person only got one. Yeah. Um. I. I. Well, and I broke it down. I broke it down. I have three pistols. I have three rifles that, that are mine, right? That don't belong to the girls or aren't earmarked for the girls or, or aren't don't belong to Shannon in some way. Uh, she stole the Spectrum. She stole the Walther. Ooh, Those did are you, hers. Did you, did, you get, did you get the H&K back? No. It's <laughs> <sighs> a fucking sore point, too, because I'm like, hey, uh, and I should have never let him take it to the range. I should have never let him take it. To the, I'll bring it back. Sure you will. Um which is bad because I got his car right now because I can't bring Shannon home in the truck. So I'm like, hey, can I borrow your car? It's not. I'm like, yeah, can I have your gun? Can I have my gun back? Like, it doesn't work so great when you're stealing all his other stuff. But well, once um, again, you, you have hostage now. I, I do. I do. I'll bring your. But the problem is I like my truck because uh, he's got my truck. He had to take something back to drive home. Um, so I may never see my truck again either. <laughs> but I have three pistols. Right, I have the Beretta, the Glock uh, 19C that's stuck inside a, uh, a, a carrier here, and then a Taurus G3C. I've got three rifles, uh, the Lakefield, the uh, built-out Axis, and my baby, the Henry. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest are shotguns. Those have gone up in price. Yeah, I was. I thought you were kidding the other day when you said they were up over a grand. They are up over a grand. Oh yeah, for that forty-four mag lever action, I got those are expensive. They're really proud of those now. Um, and the rest are shotguns. Uh, <laughs> which I have found that I have really settled on. Uh, I have a couple of semi-autos which I really like. I have the the A three hundred Ultima and the SX four. Those are the the autos that I kept in shotgun format. The rest that I have are all pumps. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, well, seven well, pump action shotguns. Well, that, that's where you started, though. So you've kind of come home. I did. Uh, you know what? That's probably accurate more than anything else. I, I really have. I started on pumps, and I kind of came back to those. Uh, I still have some semi-autos that I really love. I have the Beretta 300 Ultima. I have the Winchester well, SX4, oh, but the rest yeah, but are you also, what you What you went through with the autos was the same thing that all of us have gone through at some point in time or the other, which is you were trying six million different ones to figure out which ones you liked. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what do you like? A pump's action shotgun. A pump action shotgun. Yeah. That's what I keep coming back to. If I if I go to the store, I, I look at even even the used sections. I look at the pumps first, and I have all the pumps that I like. I have a beautiful 37R that's absolutely gorgeous. I have a a reworked 870 20 gauge that is absolutely gorgeous. I've got a Mossberg 500 and 410. I've got the Stoger, which is the only camo gun I have. I have the Benelli Nova, which is damn near indestructible. I've got an, uh, a 1913 freaking Model 10, which is stupid, and I love it. And, you know, like all those things. And I'm like, I... Like seeing it on the the, the page, you know, when I'm <laughs> looking at the thing, I'm like, wow, I have a lot of pump action. <laughs> yeah. I got a few of those. I apparently like those a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but it was I was like I would I, I probably don't have that many I shouldn't have never done the list I, I shouldn't have I was like 
that's more than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) That's when I started separating them out. I got like a couple of different columns. I'm like, okay, those are Shannon's guns. I can't count those. (laughs) These are the guns for the girls. I shouldn't count those. This will make it better. It didn't make it better. (laughs) Because I kept remembering, oh, yeah, no, that's in there, too. Oh, no, I forgot to. Oh, crap. Yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. How many do you need, Sean? Just one more. At, at least one more. At least one more. But, uh, man, we appreciate you. Uh, I, I appreciate Jake for hopping on the horn with me. I appreciate you guys for listening because I just needed to think about something else um, other than the the pressing weights of life and other things that are going on. And man, I've really enjoyed reading you guys' emails and, uh, just personally, just to read you guys' emails and responding to them. I, I just thank you guys for, for listening. Thank you guys for interacting with us. Uh, Jake, I'll ask you a second time. You got anything else? Nope. I'm all good. <laughs> right on. Uh, thank you guys. And we will see you next time. On behalf of Jake Bona and I, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. If you're interested in more content like this or podcasts, check us out at hawkseyeguns.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>